0: Well, just wanna express my deep appreciation for whoever planned the service and put that all before the sermon to prepare the hearts of people with all that cuteness. Thank you, whoever it was. It was very cute to see those uh, families and their children and it reminded me what Julie said. Uh, She prayed that the Holy Spirit would do what only he could do. That we do what we can do, and, but we rely on God to do what only God can do. And that is true in this series on the book of Acts, Seeking Renewal. And as we seek renewal, there's some things that only the Holy Spirit can do within us, but there's some things that we can do, and that is Pray. Every morning, uh, every Sunday morning before I come to speak on my way here, I join by Zoom, a prayer meeting that happens. And so many times when I'm coming, I'm, I'm filled with like anxiety. Uh, not anxiety, but just a sense of, oh yeah, anxiety. And, you know, I got to get, 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 get this right. I got to say it. And, and I get, feel sometimes a sense of spiritual oppression. And every single time after that prayer that just settles... My spirit settles and I'm ready. Which, by the way, uh, if you're looking for a way to minister, they meet, the, that team meets on Zoom every Sunday morning. Just go to info at Springvale and say, I think God's leading me to be part of a prayer team. And uh, if you're not serving anywhere, there's a great place to start. Uh, you meet with Zoom at 9 to 9.30 and pray. Because God is rolling up prayer and bringing up prayer. And then, then you know, in the prayer, I've often heard over the last year or two, you know, God, you, this whole COVID situation is new to us, but it isn't new to you. And you were faithful then and you'll be faithful now. And I always thought, well... I wonder what they're talking about, what situations, and then I'm scrolling through our email that we send out, uh, just the updates, and then I find out that uh, Barb Hill, Barb, shout out to Barb Hill, who has her PhD in church history, is going to be teaching a class on Sunday nights, for three Sunday nights, on church history, and what God did then, and why we can trust him now, and I thought, I gotta sign up for that, I think I was the first person to sign up for it. And see God is trying to grow our faith but you can't have a deeper faith if you don't have a deeper understanding of God. So I was thinking as well uh, as we, I was watching that cuteness, there's a couple right now, a young couple, who just, their baby was just born this last week and the baby's in sick kids and they, they're, they're struggling with the health of their baby. And so I want you just to bow your head and we want to lift that family up. God, real quickly, I want to pray for Erica and Regan as they wait on you for your mercy for Felix with his severe health issues and problems. God, it is only you that's going to bring him out of that hospital. And so we pray for you to bring mercy to Felix and strength and peace to Erica and Regan and then to the, the grandparents, the Wingfields and the Gerbers and their families. We just lift them up. We pray for your spirit to bring hope and peace to this family in this really dark time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now I'm going to take us a whole different direction, okay? So you're going to have to just kind of say, okay, the, the cuteness is over, Ed's here. And I meant that just the way I said it. And so let's, let's move into what we uh, have to learn today about seeking renewal and seeking the Holy Spirit. Now the, the, the s- s- Acts chapter 5 is the next chapter we go into, but there is a... Twin story about the one we are going to study that happens in the book of Joshua, chapter 7. And so let me just bring you up to date because I don't think you fully understand Acts 5 unless you understand Joshua, chapter 7. Moses has led the people through the desert. Their 40 years are over. They're heading into the land. Moses is taken out. God brings him home. The transition is to Joshua. Joshua is the new leader. Of Israel to lead them into Israel. They cross over the Jordan River in a miraculous way, and their first uh, obstacle is one of the biggest cities in the promised land that they have to conquer, Jericho. Now, Israel has had very little experience with warfare, absolutely none with siege warfare, and Jericho is known for its walls and the size of the city. They have no experience, they have no plan, so the angel of the Lord comes and says, here, Joshua, here's your plan. Every day for six days, walk around the city one time. On the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. At the end of the seventh time, you're going to shout and scream. The walls will come down, you'll go in. And he goes, now, that's the plan, but there's one caveat to it. Everything in the city Everything, every person that's captured, every cow that's captured, all the gold, all the silver, all the money, all the clothes, all of it, which is normally bounty for the conquering nation, is now devoted to God. It's not to be touched by anyone. Got it? Yes, we got it. Joshua sends the message. They go their six days. They do the walk around seventh day, seven time. Scream. The walls come down. They go in. They are pumped. Who could ever stop us? With a God like ours and a battle plan like that, there's no one that will ever stop us. I mean, they are so pumped. The next town they need to take to protect their position is it's just west of Jericho up in the hills called Ai. I've been to. I've stood right where Ai is. It was a smaller town. And they, the, the Israelites say, I mean, look how we won here. Let's just send, a, it's a small town. Let's just send a smaller force. We don't need to, you know, our, our guys don't need to be uh, wearied out by uh, having to go to AI. Let's just send a smaller force, and, and they, which was still large. But they sent it. And what happened? They get walloped. They lose badly. And Joshua, he's like, he's crying out to the Lord, and he's wailing. The people are wailing. Joshua's on his face. He's ripped his clothes. God, what is going to happen if we can't beat the small towns? How are we ever going to take this land? We are now vulnerable to all the people that we are going into in this land. We're in trouble. And then the Lord speaks to Joshua as he's wailing and calling out on God. The Lord said in verse 10 of Joshua 7, stand up. What are you doing down in your face? There's a reason for this failure. Israel has sinned. Mark this. Because that's what we're going to talk about today. That's why I said the cute is done. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen and they remember the devoted things that were all for God? They've taken some of them and they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them in their own possessions. And that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run. Because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore. What a statement from God. I will not be with you anymore. I am going to withdraw my presence unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. So go, concentrate the people, tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord God says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Joshua goes out, he calls all the people. God supernaturally reveals to him that it's Achan. It was Achan that stole it. He was a leader among the people. And then in verse 19... Joshua said to Achan, "'My son, give glory to the Lord, "'the the God of Israel, honor him. "'Tell me what you have done. "'Don't hide it from me.'" Because it was hidden. Achan replied, "'It's true, I've sinned against the Lord, "'the God of Israel. "'This is what I've done. "'When I saw the plunder, "'a beautiful robe from Babylonia, "'200 shekels of silver.'" and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them. I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent. The silver's underneath. Joshua sends messengers. They go find the stuff. And then Joshua says to him, how could you bring this on us? And they stone Achan and all his family and everything he And the lesson we get from this story is as Israel begins their mission that God has given to them, the lesson we get is hidden sin hinders. Hidden sin hinders. Hidden sin hinders, hidden sin hinders the movement of God, the work of God, the people of God. Hidden Sin hinders. Now the commentators, many of them say the message of this story, which is the twin to the one we're going to look at in Acts chapter 5, is that when we hide sin, it has a profound effect on us, on our families, and on the church. This is something that's going to bother you about this story. I know that because it bothers me. How is it that the sin of one person affected the victory of the whole nation? Because I think God is teaching us that what we do doesn't just affect us. It affects the people around us. Now just stop for a second before we go any further because I'm going to give you your application right up front. If hidden sin hindered the Israelites going into, their, in, in, into the land and fulfilling their mission, and hidden sin hinders the church, which we're gonna find out about in Acts chapter five, is it possible that hidden sin hinders you and me? Well, it's not only possible, it's the point of the stories. Acts chapter 5, now we'll flip over into the New Testament, pick up where we have been at. Now a man named, Acts chapter 5 verse 1, now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. So just in the chapter before, Barnabas goes and he gathers the people property and other people were doing the same thing. They sold it and they gave it to God and Ananias and Cyrus say, we're going to do that too. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Notice that phrase. We're going to come back to it. How has Satan so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Didn't that money belong to you, verse 4, before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, that's Sapphira, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door. And they will carry you out also. I wonder how Peter said that to her. I don't think he said. The feet of the men that carried out your husband are here for you you witch. I don't think that's what he meant. I wonder. If there were tears in his eyes. As he said. The feet. Of the men that carried out your husband are here for you. You've sinned against God. And now there's hell to pay. At that moment, she fell down at his feet, and she died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, notice how similar this is. First of all, you have Achan stealing what is devoted and here you have Ananias and Sapphira stealing what is devoted. See, there's a misunderstanding about this passage because it was, well, why were they, it was there, they sold the land. Why couldn't they keep some of the money? And that's exactly what Peter says in verse four. He says, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You could have taken or given and kept however much you wanted to. But apparently they had communicated to the body that this is devoted to the Lord that was what publicly went out of their mouths but privately they kept back what they themselves had devoted to the Lord like Achan kept what was devoted to the Lord Ananias and Sapphira kept what was devoted to the Lord interesting both these stories are around money don't worry we'll touch on that too God supernaturally reveals to Joshua, you have sin in the camp and here's the person, Achan. God supernaturally reveals to Peter, you have sin in the church and here's the people. Joshua confronts Achan in front of the group, the assembly, the people of the Lord. Peter confronts Ananias and Sapphira in front of the people of the Lord. When they give and reveal and bring to light the sin of Achan, he is put to death. With Peter, when he brings to light the sin of the couple, they drop down and die. The stories are so similar, it's eerie. And here's the biggest similarity, is that the story of Achan happened just as the people of Israel are starting out on mission that God had given to them to take the land, so the story of Ananias and Sapphira is at the very start, the front end of the church's story as they go on mission for God. I'd say God takes seriously his mission and those that get in the way of it. Now, I told you I wanted to go back to a verse because this is the. Peter's told about this supernaturally through the Spirit reveals. There's actually a spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of knowledge, and that's what Peter's exercising here, in my opinion. God supernaturally reveals to him something he could never know. Something's just between the couple, and God brings it to light. And so Peter confronts Ananias and he says, How is it that Satan, Has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourselves some of the money that you received for the land. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Now, we've had a bit of a conversation in our church about can a Christian be possessed by Satan? And I would say absolutely not. Once a person commits their life to Jesus, they are now the possession of Jesus. We belong to Jesus. The ownership of our lives is never in question. It was settled at the cross. But that's not what this story is teaching. This story is teaching that two believers who gave way to hidden sin in their life gave access to Satan to their heart to begin to control them in this area. And so they were, they were influenced, they were controlled by Satan to the point that they lied to the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you can't lie to the Holy Spirit if you don't have the Holy Spirit. the point is, of Luke, of bringing this out, is because Satan is at work to try to take the church off of its mission. And now he's going to do it through internal corruption. And Ananias and Sapphira, who were practicing hidden sin, became a doorway into the church because the sin became a doorway into their heart from which Satan could manipulate and control them. This is in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says the same thing. This is the writer. Here's Luke. Ephesians chapter 4. In your anger, says Paul, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold, tapas is the word, it usually means a geographical space. When you let sin continue in your life, you open yourself up to giving the devil a foothold, a place from which to work, manipulate, influence, and even control you. Now let's just stop here. Are you... Even aware of the spiritual battle that goes on for your soul? Are you aware of that? That you mean so much to Jesus that Satan will do whatever he can to destroy your life. And one of his greatest tactics is to get us, you, me, engaged in hidden sin. So, what's hidden sin? Hidden sin is sin we know is wrong, but we don't want to deal with it, so we hide that we're involved in it. The issue in the church was not confessed sin. We're all sinners. We all have struggles with sin, every single one of us, you, me, all of us. But when we bring that sin to the Lord and we take the steps of bringing it into the light and confessing it and repenting from it and dealing with it, it doesn't, it doesn't separate us from God. It doesn't cause problem in the church. That's what the church is about. What the church is not about is playing Christian. I'm going to act like there's nothing wrong in my life. But when I'm alone, when I'm in front of my computer, it's a different story. When I'm alone and I have the food that I want and I begin to binge on it. When I'm with that certain person that nobody knows about, And we do what we want to do with one another. When I'm involved in occultic practices. When I quietly gossip about people so that I can somehow get an edge. Or Ephesians 4. When in my heart I hold bitterness and refuse to forgive somebody. We open a door and give Satan access to now manipulate and use us. Hidden sin hinders. You will never feel close to God, you will never see prayers answered. You won't have the word of God come alive in your heart. It won't make sense to you when you're sitting in here and people are worshiping in tears and hands, that just won't make sense to you. You won't feel any connection to that. You won't want to go deeper with God. They're the kinds of things that become a part of our lives when we hide sin. And I'm not telling you this because I'm angry. I'm telling you this because I really do love you and I want you I challenge you, I exhort you to believe the word of God and trust God with your sin. Don't be consumed by it. Don't be controlled by it. Don't leave your life open to spiritual spiritual powers that are around you looking for access into your life to, to lead you astray. Instead, trust Jesus. Trust his love for you. Trust that dying on the cross really is his statement of what he thinks about you and that you can be free and you can experience the movement of the Holy Spirit within you, and you can be renewed, but you have to deal with the sin. That's what I want for all of us. So how do you deal with the sin? Ephesians chapter five, these two verses I ponder over all the time. Ephesians chapter five, have nothing to do with the fruitful deeds of darkness but rather expose them. Okay, stop. Don't have anything to do with the hidden sin around you and that you're tempted to be a part of. Rather expose it. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. I think the thinking here is it, it's shameful to, be, to let linger over it to long for it. But everything is exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. I thought, what is he talking about? Everything that is exposed by the light Becomes visible. It comes out. Everybody sees it. Everybody knows it. And then, have you not heard the testimony of people who say, I was caught in this sin? It was hidden. My wife didn't know it. My f- parents didn't know it. My friends didn't know it. Nobody knew it. I was in it and I was deep. But then I trusted God and I came to God and I confessed and I brought it out and I took steps to make it my life. And they stand up here and talk about that. And we sit there and say, Yes, God. Great job, God. Incredible, God. And that's when, when we expose things and bring them to the light, in the church, those things that were considered shameful become a testimony of the love and forgiveness and power of God to deliver us from the bondage of the sin we're in. They become a light. But we have to expose it. I'd say the hardest two years of my ministry were the probably the third and the fourth year as, my, as a senior pastor when I first became a senior pastor. I probably aged ten years in those two years. Crystal and I uh, went into this. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a senior pastor, so young. and We went to this church and it was a great church, great people, but I mean, there was something missing. I mean, nobody was coming to Christ. Nobody's, we weren't get, hearing stories of people's lives being changed. Money was always a struggle. And there was just like we were going through the motions. I mean, we'd have these worship services. And I thought they were well planned and the people were, and, but it's just like there was no power in it. It was, it was going through the motions. So Crystal said, why don't we pray and ask God? Ask God what's going on. Reveal what's really happening. So we did, and within a couple of weeks, through unusual circumstances, which are a story in themselves, unusual meaning a God thing, it came to light. I found out that a long-term elder had been having an affair with a major leader in the church and that that affair had come out to two other leaders, but they buried it because they thought that was what would be best for the church. And so for several years, the church was slowly dying because hidden sin hinders. Well, I knew I had to tell the board, so I went to the other elders and said, this is what's going on, and they confirmed it, we confronted the individual, and he said, the elder, and he said, there is no way I'm going to bring this out, which then left us in a mess, And so we prayed and we fasted and we sought God and we sought counsel and it became very obvious that we had to do what Joshua and Peter had to do and that is to bring it to the body. Because James says, when you're a teacher and you're a leader, your influence goes over the whole body. And so we decided we were going to, and the families of those two people came to us with vehemence and said, if you do this, you, we will make sure you regret it, and you'll split this church in two. Now, the first thing I, I didn't know what to do with, the second one I was already worried about. What's going to happen if we be, you know, bring out the sin of these two major leaders in the church? I mean, the place is going to go nutsoid. People are going to go flee. This is the stupidest thing you could ever do. Why am I the senior pastor here? God, I mean, first of all, praise God for board members who never left the board. When it got really, the boat got rock and they did not get up. I praise God for that. So we brought it out. Two years after that, all of a sudden, people, like just, we brought it out, and then over the next few months, people start coming to the Lord. Prayer meetings had a new power. Giving, inexplicably, went up. People who had left start coming back. People who had hidden sexual sin in their lives began to bring it to the elders to deal with, confess, bring it to light, repent. The church grew from 200 to 402 years and honestly, I have no idea why, other than the spirit of God was poured out on that church. Because we dealt with the sin in our lives. The hidden sin hinders, but when you bring it to the light and your heart changes and we humble ourselves and we confess our sin and we repent of it, the spirit of God floods back into a church, bringing the life that only the spirit of God can give. Doing what only the spirit of God can do. And that's exactly what this story is about. And how do I know that? I know it because of what Luke writes immediately following this story. The apostles performed many signs, verse 12, and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together at Solomon's Colonnade, which is an area of the temple at that time, out public, no one dared join them, even though they were high, uh, highly regarded by the people. The people, the non-believers around were like, there is something going on there. And boy, I- I'm not going to go there unless, my- unless their heart was converted to follow Jesus. They were like, you guys go ahead, but I'm not- I don't want to be part of that. Because I got some things in my life that I don't want to die for. You know what I'm saying? Fear of God fell on the people. Healings were happening, fear of God, no one dared to join them. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and they were added to their number. Conversions happening over and over, and as a result people brought the sick under the streets and they laid them on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some As he passed by and they were healed. And crowds gathered also from the towns all around Jerusalem. It wasn't just Jerusalem. It was all around people bringing their sick. And those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. There was a pouring out of the spirit of God. And why did that happen? Because they dealt with the hidden sin. We know from Joshua where God said, If you are going to hold on to the sin, I'm withdrawing my presence, my power, I will withdraw from you. If you choose sin over me, I withdraw. Let me just kind of bring this to a point of Application for us. Like, what do we do about this? Well, I, think if, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised if I said to you, if you have hidden sin, so that is, you know, the sin you choose to do, even though you know it's wrong, but you choose to do it, but you hide it because you don't want anybody to know about it. That's sin. You know, the screen sin, the person sin that you're meeting with, the unknown sexual explicit acts, the occult things that you're dabbling in, the words that you're seeding among people, the bitterness in your heart, those kinds of things that you, you hold on to. You know it's wrong and you would never let anybody know that it's happening. If that is in your life, then it's time to bring it to light. I mean, if you want to walk with God, It's time to bring it to light. It's time to bring it to light. The Spirit of God moves and works in us and says, bring these things to light. Take them to the person you need to take them to. Tell the person you need to tell. Stop lying to the Holy Spirit. I tell you this, not in anger, I tell you this because I want the best for you. I want you to be free. I want you to begin to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, the renewal that the Spirit brings to those that are willing to humble themselves. So is that you? And if it is, humble yourself before God. Oh, believe me, I know, this is a huge step but better you take care of it than God has to take care of it. Trust in the love of Jesus Christ for you so that you could be free, that's what he came. The second thing I would say, I found it interesting that both Achan and Ananias and Sapphira were dealing with money. That's how Satan had access to both of them, how they handled their money. Do you know that in the Old Testament, the Old Testament teaches that the first, the tithe, the first 10% of our income belongs to God. It's devoted to God. That in the New Testament, not only is that teaching reaffirmed, it actually takes it a step further and says that it starts at 10%. And then you move into grace giving, which is giving over and above what is required in the law. That first 10% is devoted, says God, to him. Are you giving to God what belongs to him or are you keeping it? God deals with this with his people Malachi. He says, do, do, do you not, because they weren't giving. And he says, you're not giving. You're not giving what's devoted to me. And he said, it hasn't it occurred to you that, you know, your fruit trees cast their fruit early. The insects and bugs eat up your crops. that either you, you put money in your pockets that holes in them. Has it not occurred to you that you are under my discipline? But that if you trust me and obey, I will unlatch and pour out the blessings of heaven. Do you trust me with that? I, I, I'm going to guess. No, I'm not going to guess. I'm, I know this is an issue for quite a few of us right here. Fear holds us back. Greed holds us back. Wants hold us back. Whatever it is, this is an issue. And we don't talk about, I don't know what people give. Uh, you don't know what I give, I don't know what you give. That's the way it works, but it's easy to hide. <laughs> But hidden sin hinders. I want you to take serious this passage because our vision has been to have impact on our communities around us, to see people come to faith and be renewed in their faith and grow strong in their faith. But early on in Joshua and early on in Acts, we are told that hidden sin hinders and that if we persist in hidden sin, the spirit of the Lord withdraws his power. And that perhaps the reason we're not seeing the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is because we have some sin issues we have to deal with, whether individually or corporately. Today... The Spirit of God is calling you and I to be honest with Him, and then to take the step that we know He's calling us to take. Would you bow in prayer with me, Jesus? I'm hard. This is. There's a hardness to this message. There's a fearfulness to it. There's a a, a a resistance that can come because when we choose to sin secretly, we 're choosing it. We want it, and we resist when others around us touch on it in our lives. I pray that you would protect your people, whether here sitting and listening or on screen, from the evil one taking the word from their life. I pray come Holy Spirit, bring renewal, bring your word, bring cleansing, bring your presence on us, purify us and give us the courage to walk in step and to, to confess to the people we need to confess to, those that we have sinned against, and those we need to tell to get help and then repent to change the actions that we are doing that we might have the blessing of the lord the favor of the lord not only on our lives but on this church that we might see the impact that you choose to have, like you did with Joshua, like you did with the church after the dealing with Ananias and Sapphira, that you that you had at that church where we were first pastor, and that the church you would have here as your spirit pours out in ways we can't understand, we can't explain, but it's just real and your spirit is at work. And so in humility we pray, come, Holy Spirit.